Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hi, welcome. Happy Valentine's Day. I really hope your day is going well. My name is Nestor Flores, and I want to thank you for joining us today. You know, I believe God is going to bless you through this message. We are in week two of our series, Renew Your Marriage. And we're talking about marriage because we want marriage to get better. We want marriages to succeed. This week, I saw a meme that I thought it was funny because it was true. Let me show it to you. In this meme, you have SpongeBob and and Patrick. And, uh, you know, it says the two reactions to marriage. And I think when you talk about marriage, this is one of the two reactions that you tend to get. There's people who are so afraid of it and there's others who are so enamored, so excited about it. But you know, marriage can be wonderful. Marriage is a good thing because marriage is God's idea. And one of the challenges with marriage is that marriages are constantly being drained. And the the things that, the setbacks in life, the struggles of life, the challenges that we face, the problems that arise, the changes that take place, and the tragedies that we go through, all these drain marriages. They drain every relationship, especially marriages. And that is why it is important that every marriage have times of renewal. Because renewal will restore the passion, the attraction, the romance, the happiness, and especially the love. You know, love, love is the most important ingredient in any relationship but especially in marriage. Love not only attracts us, but love can also sustain us. You know, there's a takeaway that I want you to take today with you. And if you forget anything we talk about, this is the thing that I would hope that you remember. And and that's that most of us are good at falling in love. You know, falling in love comes easy. And for many, it even comes automatic. We don't need much help with that. The challenge that we have is not in falling in love, but in staying in love. And I want to tell you this morning that staying in love is possible. That staying in love does require work, does require intentionality. But that love can not only attract you to someone, that same love that attracts you can also keep you together with that someone. So this morning... You know, we don't need a lot of help when it comes to falling in love. But I'm sure we could use help when it comes to staying in love, cultivating that love, uh, you know, renewing that love that can keep us together. So I want us to look at what God has to say about how to stay in love. Look at this. Would you uh, fill this out? If you can take notes, uh, take notes. If you happen to download our, our digital bulletin, you can fill this out right there on that digital bulletin. But to cultivate love, the first thing we need to do is love God first. 
Jesus was asked, which commandment, out of all the commandments, Jesus, which one's the most important? And you're familiar with this verse, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, listen, listen, loving God, loving God and loving God first is the foundation to healthy and successful relationships, especially marriage. Every good relationship begins first with a good relationship with God. And you're probably wondering, well, Pastor Nasser, why is that? Well, because only the love of God, only having God's love and loving God back can help me, can give me the love that I need to love others the way they need to be loved. To love our spouse in a way that can keep us in love. So loving God is key. Loving God should be the first thing. Because loving God will help you to love others better and to love others correctly. 1 John 4, 19 says the following. It says, we love each other. Why? Because he first loved us. So the love of God and the love towards God is powerful. It's the difference maker. You know, I joke around and I say that God's love is so powerful that it can even help you to love your mother-in-law. I don't know if anybody's interested in that. But if you were, even God's love can help you love your, mother -in your mother-in-law. Do you, do you want to renew your marriage? Do you want good, healthy, happy relationships? Do you want a successful marriage? Well, you got to put God first. And for many, that means that you have to renew your love for God. Because when you put God first, everything else lines up. When you put God first, then God blesses the rest. The second thing that the Bible tells us about cultivating love, to stay in love, is that we are to love our spouse second. So if you want to cultivate love, if you want to stay in love, you love God first, but then you love your spouse second. Matthew 19, five and six, this is Jesus talking as well. And look at what he says. He says, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and gets married. He becomes like one person with his wife. They are no longer two people, but one. And no one should separate a couple that God has joined together. Let me read that last part. And no one should separate a couple that God has joined together. I want you to notice that it is God who brings the unity, who makes two individuals one. And that's why God must be first. And see, a person who loves God first will love his spouse second. And that's not a bad thing. I know that maybe some spouse say, no, I want my spouse to love me above all things. And he should love you above his work, above money, above his friends, above his family, but never above God. See, because if I love my spouse more than God, then I position myself in a very dangerous place and I position my spouse in a very dangerous place. Because if I love my spouse more than I love God, then I'm going to expect my wife to do for me what only God can do for me. And that's why many marriages are struggling because they're expecting from their spouse what only God can do. 
See, a woman who doesn't love God first will think that she needs, that she needs the love of a man to be happy. A man who doesn't love God first will think that he, will, that he cannot be complete unless he has a wife. And that is not true. And see, when God is not first, we put our spouses as first. And there's another big danger. And that danger is that it will lead to dependency. You will become dependent on the other person. And, and, and dependency opens the door to all kinds of dysfunction, to all kinds of mess, to all kinds of havoc in our lives. So God needs to be first and our spouse needs to be second. Because when God is first, here's what God will do. He will cleanse you of your sin. He will make you into a godly person. He will change the way you think. He will fill you with his spirit. He will teach you to love yourself so that you can love others. He will give you a strong identity. He will transform you from a person who demands and takes into a person who gives and shares and contributes. God will make you into a whole, healthy, respectful, and caring person. And who doesn't want to be married to somebody like that? You know, and when God does all this, when we put God first and God does that work in our life, that enables us to be able to love others better, to be able to love others as they need to be loved. So let me talk to single people for a minute. Single people, listen to me. This is the part where you get to get it right. See, when God comes first, when you put God first, he is going to make you into the kind of person who is going to be attracted to the right person. To the person who loves God first and foremost. So if you want to stay in love and not just fall in love, make God first and find a partner who loves God first and loves you second. So to cultivate love. To stay in love and not just fall in love. We need to love God first, love our spouse second. But the third one is that we need to fill our partner's love tank. We need to be able to fill their needs. God meets the primary needs, but there's some needs that we uh, got to meet. And you know, last week we touched on the three areas of tension in our relationship. And we talked about how they tend to intensify in marriage. Let me mention them what they are in case you weren't with us last week. We said that the first area of tension in every relationship, especially marriage, is unaccepted differences. The second is unresolved offenses. And the third is unmet needs. You know, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about how to give relief to the first two areas of tension. But as I mentioned last week, our focus is going to be primarily on unmet needs. Do you know what the common denominator in couples who stay together is? Do you know what all couples that stay in love, that stay together, what the common denominator is? It's really simple. They don't forsake their first love. Do you know why so many couples end up divorced? Do you know why even those couples that don't separate and stay together, why they stay together, but they're not happy? The reason is they neglect love. They forsaken their first love. You're probably wondering, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, let me show you what Revelations 2, 4 and 5 says first. Look, look, look at what it says. 
but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did when at first. Look at how far you have fallen. In other words, look, look at how different you are than the way you were when you were dating, when you first met, when you first started courting each other. And then here's what Jesus says. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Now here's, we have to notice something that this verse points out to. And this verse points to the fact that when we forsake, when we neglect love, that ends up causing the relationship to break down. And that's what many people are experiencing today. They've experienced a broken relationship because they've neglected love. But here's, here's why I'm glad you connected today. There's hope. There's a solution to that problem. And that verse tells us what to do. It gives us two steps to fixing, to fixing broken relationships. He says the first thing we need to do is repent. In other words, we need to acknowledge. We need to admit that we have neglected loving each other like we did at first. In other words, repentance means that not only we acknowledge, but that we make a U-turn, which leads to the second step, which is very practical. And that is that we begin to do the things that we did at first. Remember when you first met your spouse? Remember when you were dating? Remember that first season of love? How wonderful it was? Well, God says, if you want to fix your broken relationship, go back to doing what you were doing then. Let me illustrate something. In his book, author William Harley, in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, he talks about how every person has a love tank. And the love tank is filled by acts of kindness, that there's certain acts of kindness or certain actions that make deposits into our love tank. But that there's certain actions that instead of making deposits, they make withdrawals. And he says that the key to happiness in marriage especially is to fill our spouse's love tank. You know, when you are dating, during that dating period, we're really good at filling our spouse's love tank. Let me explain what I mean. When, when you are dating as a, as, a, as a man, you know, you, 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 you seek times to, to talk to her. It was never too late and it was never the wrong time to talk to her. When you were dating, you, you seeked her out. You, you wanted to be with her. It was never the wrong time to be with her. When you were dating, um, you, you, you took her out to eat. And not only did you take her out to eat, but, but, but you would pay for her. When you were dating, uh, you were very attentive to her. You were very affectionate to her. You, you told her nice things and you bought her gifts and maybe you even bought her flowers and, and so on and so on to the point that, that um, you filled out her love tank. But, you know, ladies, when you were dating, you were also very good at filling his love tank. You know, you, you, you would watch sports with him. Sports were not boring, you know, and they were not boring because you got to sit next to the man you loved. And when you were dating, you know, you, 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 uh, you fixed yourself. You wanted to look good. You wanted to smell good. 
You had a good attitude. You weren't impatient or, or too tired or, or, or with a headache, you know. You, you played with him. You, you went to watch sports with him. And, and doing these things filled his love tank. And while we're dating, we're really good at doing that. We're really good at filling each other's love tank. But then somehow in marriage, we stop doing those things. And not only are we not filling it, but we begin to make withdrawals from it. We begin to be impatient. We begin to be frustrated. We begin to make excuses why we can't go on a date. We, we break our promises. You know, we don't tell them that we love them. And what begins to happen is that the love tank that once was full is now not as full. And that's what marry, marriages are experiencing. And see, the key, the key to staying in love is to fill your spouse's love tank. And uh, last week, we talked about the first need, the number one need that every spouse has. And during this series, we're going to look at the five top needs of every wife and every husband. And last week, we saw how the, the wife's number one need is affection. And today, I want to talk about what most men, what most husbands would say is their number one need. And do you want to know, I'm sure you know, what most men would say is the number one need. And a man's number one need is physical intimacy. So to renew your marriage, we can renew our marriage by, needing, by meeting the need of physical intimacy of your husband. Now, don't tune out. Don't tune out, please. I know that for many, talking about sex in church is a taboo. But, but, but before you, you, you switch channels or you turn off this broadcast, let me tell you two things. Number one, the Bible is very open about sex. The Bible speaks about sex. There's a whole book that is very sexual, that is very open about the act of sex. But the second thing that I would say is that I would remind you that it was God who created it. God created sex. Satan has perverted it. But God created it. And God created it to be holy, to be pure, but also to be great. So, so don't tune out just because we talk about sex. In fact, I think we need to talk more about sex in church. Because it's, it's an important part of our lives and it's the number one need of most married men. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is talking about relationships and marriage and he advises single people not to marry. And he tells them not to marry, not because marriage is bad or because marriage doesn't work, but he says don't marry because when you're not married, you can fully dedicate yourself to the Lord. You can fully serve the Lord without any hindrances. But he says, but if you want to get married, go for it. You don't sin. But then he talks to married couples. And look at what he tells married couples in verse 33 and 34, 1 Corinthians 7. He says, but a married man has to think about how to please his wife. A married woman has to think about how to please her husband. You know, according to Paul, a responsibility of marriage is to please each other, to meet each other's needs. And last week we talked about how a woman's number one need 
It's affection. And, and, and the husband has the responsibility of meeting that need. But a husband's number one need is for sexual satisfaction, for physical intimacy. And the wife has the responsibility of meeting that need. Now, it's interesting that these two needs kind of, um, uh, they, they can contradict and work against each other or they can complement each other. When a husband is affectionate to his wife, she's more prone to wanting to be uh, physically intimate. But when a husband is not affectionate, a wife is not moved towards physical intimacy. And see, I find that most spouses do not not meet the other spouse's need intentionally. Rather, they do it because they don't do it because they don't understand the importance of their spouse's needs. So that's why in this series, we want to help you not just know, but understand your spouse's need. So with that in mind, I want to share four truths to help the ladies, to help the wives, to better understand your husband's need for physical intimacy. You ready for this? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's look at those four truths. The first truth about your husband's need is that his need is legitimate and God-given. I love that. Our need for physical intimacy is legitimate and it's God-given. Look at what 1 Corinthians 7, 4 says. It says the wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. And look at verse 5. It's important. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So he says the only way, the only valid reason to stop being physically intimate is because you want to devote yourself to prayer. But he says even then, don't do it for a long time. He says afterward, you should come together again. In other words, you should resume meeting that need so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. In other words, he says it's important that we don't neglect meeting this need because doing so gives Satan a room to lead us to infidelity, to lead us to finding and wanting to meet that need somewhere else. And you know, ladies, it's common that it's usually the man that has the higher libido. You know, and I want you to know that God made us this way. You know, this need for most men is, is so strong that that's why the Bible says that we are not to deprive each other for it. And I know, ladies, you've often wonder if, you know, physical intimacy is the only thing men think about. Is that all men think about? To which I joke around and often say, no, we, always th we also think about eating and sleeping. <laughs> and I mean that uh, lightly, you know. But, you know, while there's cases of extreme sexual dysfunction and sexual addiction, it doesn't always mean that because this is the number one need for most men, that it's not a legitimate, that it's not a God-given need. Ladies, Here's the one thing I would want you to understand the most. God made us this way. He made us to desire you, to look at you, and to want you. And he made us this way. It's a legitimate God-given need. 
And, and this doesn't mean that we as men cannot control our urges, but it also doesn't mean that we're perverts. It means that this is the way God made us. The second truth about this need is that it's a need that only his wife, you, should meet. You know, when a man marries a woman, when a man chooses a woman as his partner, the Bible calls men to promise to be faithful to them. Look at what Malachi 2.15 says. It says, Did, didn't God create you to be like one person with your wife? And why did he do this? It was so that you could have children and then lead them to become God's people. And look at what he says. Don't ever be unfaithful to your wife. God calls us to fidelity, to faithfulness in marriage. So when a man marries a woman, he is assuming, he is trusting that she is going to faithfully meet his need. So he openly makes that commitment because he trusts that she is going to be as interested in that need as he is. And you know, when this doesn't happen, when there's excuses or reasons, or there's simply uh, a denial of meeting this need, that creates disappointment and frustration in many men. And let me tell you that as a man, in, in talking to men about this, it's a very strong and uncomfortable situation. And you know, many men, because they truly love God, because they truly love their spouses and their kids, they endure it. They remain faithful. But more are those who cannot control their urges, who are overcome by their urges, and they fall into temptation, and they end up being unfaithful to their wives. Think about this, ladies. This need is so great in men that successful men, presidents of corporations, businessmen, political leaders, men of power, men of great intellect, men of all kinds of social levels, and even pastors have fallen, have risked everything to meet their sexual desires. You know, I think if as husband and wife, if we could come to a common agreement and understanding of each other's needs, you know, many problems could be avoided. So the second truth, lady, ladies, that you need to remember is that this need that is legitimate and God-given can only and should only be met by you, our wife. The third truth about your husband's need is that his need is only met when the experience is rewarding for both. Look at what Ecclesiastes 9.9 says. Enjoy life with the woman you love all the days of your life. Enjoy. Delight. Delight. You know, although it's true that this need uh, for sexual intimacy, for physical intimacy is stronger in men, it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't care if you enjoy it or not. You know, we men, we don't just want the act. We, 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 we want to be able to enjoy the experience. And the experience is more enjoyable when you enjoy it. We want it to be rewarding for both. Ladies, we don't want you to just sacrifice your bodies to meet our need. We want you to enjoy it with us. 
And we understand that it's a bigger need for us than it is for you. But we believe that it could be as enjoyable for you as it is for us. So, you know, in marriage, especially the longer you, you are married, in order for both to enjoy it, you're going to have to get creative and you're going to have to talk about creating an environment that is, that is conducive and at the same time sacred that can be satisfying for both of you and yet still honoring God. You know, I want to remind you again, sex was God's idea. It's God's will for it to be a positive, beautiful, enjoyable, exciting and rewarding experience, not just for the husband, but for both of you. The fourth truth about your husband's physical, about your husband's need for physical intimacy is that we both need to remember that this physical, this need for physical intimacy is motivated by desire in men and by emotional bonding in women. Let me tell you what that means. For men, it's a desire in us. It's, it's, it's kind of already there, right? But for women, you know, they, they are led to it. They are, they are encouraged to it when they feel the affection of their husband, when they feel connected emotionally to their husband. Look at what Proverbs 5, 15, 18, and 19 says. It says, share your love with, share your, your love only with your wife. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. In other words, another, this is another way of saying your first love. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. So see, in this last point, both spouses need to remember that the way they land admitting this need looks different for them. That's that the husband is driven by the desire that's already in them. But that the wife is driven to it by the affection that she feels from her husband. So husbands, I mentioned this last week. Our wives need non-sexual affection. If we're only affectionate to them when we want to be sexual, that doesn't work for them. They need non-sexual affection because eventually for them, it will lead them to meeting your need for physical intimacy. So let me conclude with this. I want you to do something. I don't know if you have a pen or if you have your phone, maybe you can open your notes or something. And uh, I want you to evaluate yourself. On from one to 10, how important of a need is physical intimacy for you? And I want both spouses to answer. And I would want you to answer last week's need as well. Husband, how important is affection for you? I would like you to rate yourself and, and then I want you to do something. And I know that uh, it might be challenging, make some of you uncomfortable, but, but I promise it, it, it will edify and it will bless your marriage. I want you to take some time to talk about it. Talk about it. Don't fight about it. Talk about it. Communicate to one another. Communicate. Be open about it. I think, I believe that communication leads to healthy relationships. So would you rate yourselves? Would you rate how important 
these two first needs that we've talked about, how they are to you. And, we, and what do you talk about it with your spouse? You know, in closing, I want to ask you two questions. Where are you today? Is God first in your life? Because if he's not, he needs to be first. You know, if he isn't first in your life, why not make that change today? Why not make God first in your life? If you've already had a relationship with Jesus, if Jesus is already your Lord, begin to make the changes and you know what they are. Begin to make the changes to make God first. But if you're watching me, if you're uh, listening to this and you've never opened your heart and asked Jesus into your life, why not do that today? Why not make God first in your life? See, when you don't invite Jesus to be your savior and your Lord, that means you or something else is first in your life. So the way you make God first in your life is by inviting him into your life. You know, it would be my pleasure to lead you into making that decision today. This is one of the reasons I became a pastor, to lead people, to help people, to have a relationship with God. Because when you do, not only does your life on earth change, but your destiny in eternity changes as well. So if you would like to make God first, if you would like to start a relationship with Jesus today, would you repeat this prayer after me right there where you are? Would you say, Heavenly Father, I come to you because I need you. Please forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus in my life to be my Lord and my Savior. From today on, I want to follow him and I want to learn to love him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you made that prayer, I want to congratulate you. I'm so happy for you. You've made the most impacting and important decision in your life. Would you get in touch with us? We would love to be able to celebrate with you. We believe that it's a big deal. We, we want to put a Bible in your hand if you don't have one. We want to pray with you. We want to know your name and just congratulate you. I want to invite you to stay connected. If you feel comfortable, come visit us. We are having church in person. We're doing it safely. We're doing it responsibly, but we are meeting in person. If you're not ready to meet in person, continue to connect to our online broadcast. Continue to grow in your knowledge of Jesus because when you do, you will love him and follow him better. Now let me ask you a second question before I let you go. How are you? Where are you when it comes to your first love? Have you neglected your first love? If you have, I want to tell you that you can make that change today too. And you're probably wondering how, pastor? Repent. Repent and begin to do the things that you did at first. Now, let me talk to ladies because I sense in my spirit that I need to do that. I know that as we talk about physical intimacy, that there's some wives who have scars and deep scars when it comes to this area. Scars that were caused by abuse or, or, or rape or, or a bad, uh, uh, unfortunate um, situation. And I want you to know that if that is the case, I pray, I pray that you would be able to find healing in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to seek help, to talk to a professional, to talk to a spiritual person, to help you find healing in that area. And husbands, if we have a wife 
who deals with scars when it comes to physical intimacy. We have to be understanding. We have to be patient. We have to be loving. We have to pray and do all we can to help them heal and to help them find God to find the healing that they need. But if you've forsaken your first love, you can change that today. You can make the decision to say, I'm going to go back to doing the things that we did at first. So today, if you're watching this early in the morning and you don't have plans to go out for Valentine's, make some. Go, go and do something. Even if you go to the park, even if you go to McDonald's and buy ice cream, but go and do the things that you did when you were dating. And I'll tell you what, that will renew your marriage. You know, if this message has been a blessing to you, I want to invite you to share it with somebody. Share it on your social media. Send it through text to somebody. And if this message has blessed you, I want to invite you, come join us next week. We're going to continue to work on our marriage. We're going to continue to learn how to meet our needs. Until next time, may the peace of God guard your hearts and mind and may his joy be your strength. We love you.